From Relay FM, this is Downstream, a podcast about the present and future of streaming media. This is episode number 46, recorded June the 15th, 2023. I am your master of ceremonies, Jason Snell, and with me as always, although we're both in very unusual places this time, is Julia Alexander, our director of strategy, as well as Parrot Analytics, director of strategy too. Yes, yes. Hi, Julia. Uh, from an undisclosed location to an undisclosed location. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, traveling, moving my son out of college, going to my daughter's college graduation. There's a lot going on. So I'm in an Airbnb in Eugene, Oregon. I disclosed it. There it is. I disclosed my location. And you are on the West Coast, but not uh, in Oregon. Uh, you're in California. So we're just we're all over the place this time. Congratulations to the Snell household. Yeah. It's a lot of exciting things happening. There's a lot of things going on. Yeah. I'm sort of dreading what my son has collected over the school year uh, <laughs> to see what I have to carry out of that dorm and put in my car. But um, I, yeah, we'll, fi- we'll, just, we'll do it. Yeah. I just want to uh, address the potential audio elephant in the room. This is mm. almost a throwback to like episode one of Downstream. Um, I literally as jason pointed this out to me it's hey i tweeted how to best pack a a microphone for traveling because i had every intention of bringing my microphone and um dear listeners i i was telling jason i had it beside my passport it was ready to go and i just didn't pack it and so uh the, the the microphone will be shipped to toronto which is where i will be uh, recording the next episode of downstream but this week's episode is unfortunately on the airpods and so i apologize if the quality isn't as good as jason's incredible quality coming through right now we uh we also got an anonymous email from somebody who said i love julia's content but the sirens in the background drive me crazy because <laughs> i think that i'm listening while i'm driving and i think somebody's going to pull me over <laughs> and unfortunately no microphone yet built will uh, counteract the problem of julia living in new york city <laughs> where you <laughs> There are going to be honks. There's going to be sirens. But not today. Instead, uh, it's uh, it's uh, California and AirPods, and we'll make it all work. I, I also want to remind everybody out there, we did last time uh, launch Downstream Plus. If you are not yet a Downstream Plus subscriber, wanted to let you know this is going to be that episode. We said every other episode is going to be truncated, so it will end. Uh, it'll be a little shorter than usual. Um, if you want the longer episode, go to downstream.plus to subscribe. So here's our big topic, first topic. And it harkens back to the earlier days of this podcast where we talked about CNN Plus, which looked like it might be a train wreck. And then it didn't get time to even be a train wreck because then David Zaslav came in and just killed it. Um, He blew up the train before it could wreck. I don't know. Anyway, a lot of talk about uh, CNN. Uh, Zaslav fired Chris Licht, who was his hand-picked choice to run CNN. Um, he only considered Chris Lick for the role. He he said this is on me, but you know, I mean, obviously he he uh, he he fired Chris Lick. They have a temporary leader at CNN, but this reopens the whole question of like what happens to CNN. And uh, mm-hmm. fortuitously, listener Matt wrote in and actually had a question: What's your view, Matt wrote, on how news works or doesn't in a streaming world? Now that is the question, Matt. Does news need to be a commodity, free for everyone, available everywhere, or is it a premium? Does TV news even exist? in the future as cable and broadcast collapse. And you wrote about this on Puck about how we really need to, con- that Chris Lick didn't really consider the bigger picture, which is like, what is the post-linear future of CNN's brand? What is going to happen to news in the future? I thought we could talk about it a little bit. Um, do you have any initial reactions to just, you know, where <laughs> Zaz firing Chris Licht and where CNN is right now? I know you wrote many thousand words about it for Puck. 
Yeah. I also just want to shout out um, my colleague at Puck, Dylan Byers, who oh, uh, man. broke the Chris Lick story. Yeah. He's been, he's, he's been, been on the, it. I think Bellany called him, my, my other colleague, Matt Bellany called him uh, the Chris Lick chronicler. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a nice way of, of putting it. And so Dylan has been really, really reporting that story over the last year, oh, yeah. a little bit over a year. Um, I, I, Matt, I think this is like the big question. And I think it's a question that is close to both Jason and mine's heart because we are media people. We we have our businesses within media. And that the for me personally, what is the future of news is like the conversation I am most interested in. How do you take news whether it is in a digital format whether it is a news uh, excuse me a television format whether it is a you know print quote-unquote format and how do you figure out a way to make this not only profitable still at their businesses but also accessible right we're talking about news and we're talking about it at a time of of generative ai creating potentially more disinformation so access to news is so vital and finding out ways to do it and my initial takeaway with Lyft and, and CNN is kind of what, what Jason said is this idea that I don't necessarily think CNN plus was the, was the right package, but it was the right idea. It was this idea of we're going to have to be post linear. Eventually we're not going to do it right now because that affiliate revenue is still so yeah, strong. All the cable, us, right? cable per cable subscriber, they get money. It is a lot of money mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can't say no to it. Exactly. And so uh, last that I heard, CNN has in the US has about 70 million households that they still reach, right? So that's a, it's a fair chunk of affiliate revenue. I think the issue is what do people look for if they're not necessarily part of this cable bundle? How do they seek out news? How do you build something that people are necessarily tuning into? And then how do you make money off that? And so is it rolling a, a factor of this into HBO Max or Max or whatever else it becomes in the next few years? And then within that, how big are those operations, right? If you think about what they're spending on talent, you think about Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper, who are phenomenal anchors, right? But what they're spending on talent, if you think about the fact that CNN really iterated itself as a 24-7 news service. Do you need 24-7 news on a platform like Max if your audience is only tuning into, you know, 2% of that day's programming, if they're really only seeking it out during breaking news, like the invasion of Ukraine from Russia, you know, uh, other events that might happen. And so how do you scale down CNN in a way, but also make it habitual for a lot of people who are you turning on their, their streaming services every single day? And, and as we see kind of this proliferation of the discovery content on Max, for example, we do see kind of this increased engagement with the app on a daily or day-to-day basis rather than a weekly basis. And so as that habitual activity starts to happen, you know, there is an argument that news and sports are are the the next core foundation and news can be really habitual all, all year round. But it's a very difficult thing to do. And at the cost that it takes to run CNN, it's a near impossible factor yeah. to do. And the, the last thing, um, there's a lot in the piece that gets into kind of like how we we should think about YouTube and Twitch within this world as well. And, and I think it's too much to get into in this segment. Um, but I, I think the last point I'll add to it, I had a very interesting conversation with somebody who noted to me that Dateline does incredibly well on kind of the NBC streaming side, not Peacock, but on the digital side Mm -hmm. and how NBC News Now is kind of a really great example of how you can do stripped down news that is not necessarily reliant on multi-million dollar talent that takes into account more online stories that finds ways to be interactive and you can package it around this kind of other entertainment that people have in the background. So news becomes supplemented, right? We think about how the New York Times funds its journalism, it is supplemented 
by revenue made from from games and advertising and affiliate and uh, affiliate fees on excuse me not affiliate fees but the the revenue that Wirecutter makes based on what they're on what they're selling mm-hmm. and if we think about that in the form of video programming this idea that well yeah dateline being really popular is not surprising to anyone who listens to this podcast i'm sure but it is that type of thing that lets nbc news now find its audience and really lean into that that side of, of the equation and do it in a way that's kind of accessible and affordable for all and so i think it's a really good example of how you can potentially do this the difference of course is just the scale of it and i right. think that's inevitably the, the the conversation we're having and jason curious on your thoughts because i think the the baseline that we all recognize is that runway for the the, the linear ecosystem, the pay to be ecosystem, isn't just and uh, uh, um kind of reaching the end. It is being actively chopped up, right? Like ESPN, Disney's going to pull ESPN from the bundle eventually. It's going to go OTT. That will have a huge ramifications on the rest of these kind of uh, networks, including CNN. And so, if you're chopping up that runway, but that affiliate revenue is still strong you're really talking about, well, how do we scale this down in order to kind of make it into the next step, uh, the next age of how people consume TV news? And it's a very difficult question. There's no answer for this. There's no, no one is saying like, this is the right way to do it because we don't know. Right. There's no, there's no solution that we're just trying to find that will keep all the revenue and transition to streaming, right? It's not going to (laughs) happen. So, so what you have to do is this idea, uh, and you can't just put CNN over the top because you will lose so much money. And, And so you end up, that's why CNN plus, which again, what it was was weird, but the idea, the impetus of it was we need to start building a streaming product. And when you look at something like NBC News now, I mean, the advantage that NBC has is that they have local affiliates. So they don't have stars. The star anchor model, I think, is the clearest answer here is the star anchor mm-hmm. model of TV news sort of like in general. Maybe, you know, your magazine show, your a 60 Minutes or something like that has some stars. But like the what CNN and and Fox have built in terms of um, personalities that everybody knows their name. Anderson Cooper is a, like the high, most highly recognized person on CNN. Like, I don't know, in right. an NBC News Now kind of future, um, you're not going to get that. It's going to feel more like local news. NBC has the advantage that they have affiliates. Uh, CNN doesn't really have that. So that's actually a huge disadvantage. But they could do, you know, it's going to be, honestly, it's going to be younger people who are cheaper and they're going to have a much diminished uh presence they're going to need to have partners including probably local news and international partners and build a package of programming that includes a documentary but also sort of just like a stream that you can dip into and you know and a strategy to productize individual elements and make them on demand and like i can see a future but it's not going to be the cnn that they think of Uh, to be fair cnn of 20 years ago isn't the cnn of today I mean, it's always going to right. change. The problem is that the money's not going to be there. It's not going to be a cash right. cow in the same way. And they're going to have to find another another solution to it. And, and, and yeah, there is no actual answer here. But I can tell you, the the answer is not, the solution is not to not think about it. <laughs> if you've well, got a brand like was, And I think this was the Chris Licht conundrum, right? At the end of the day, Chris Licht is not a media provocateur he's not a media um genius right he 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 is a very strong programmer what he did with Colbert and what he did with Morning Joe and you could argue and there there are arguments about this that Morning Joe really successful Colbert you know 
he kind of took over Colbert at a time when Trump was happening and Colbert was kind of this guy who was, who was trusted and was willing to go out there and kind of really take on these subjects in a way that only Colbert can. And so how much of that was Chris Lick versus how much of that was Colbert and the writing team and their right. ability to kind of just do that. So there's all these arguments about, you know, Chris Lick's portfolio in general. But I think what when we look at what he did at CNN, and this is where Dylan's reporting has been really, really phenomenal in his insights, is he what was his 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 thing he came in his big thing that he did was we're going to do morning tv and this idea was like well what year is this you know when jason was talking about like the the idea that you're not going to kind of have these big anderson cooper types those are predicated on the walter cronkite right it's this idea of having this the singular kind of voice that america trusts that americans want to watch but that era has completely disappeared alongside the idea of having this one totally central or totally not uh, um, I'm totally objective kind of anchor that doesn't even happen on on CNN it doesn't happen on any of the other networks and and part of that is because you're you have to call out falsities and so that then gets taken as an attack on certain parties whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans and it in fact it might not be in certain cases it might be but being able to call those out as falsehoods or being able to say here's the conversation we're having that's where that trust really lies and the difference that we're seeing now is that you know kids not just kids, but people in their in Gen Z, millennials, they're getting that from other sources. I talk about in the piece, Hassan Piker and Philip DeFranco. Hassan Piker is a very, very big Twitch streamer. Uh, Philip DeFranco is a big YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Philip DeFranco does a daily news show where he kind of deconstructs the big stories of the day and explains them to his audience and, and gives them that, that view in in a very YouTuber type way, so you can imagine it. Hassan Piker is on a stream for eight hours, does a bunch of different stuff, but he got really popular in part because he has a very left-leaning audience. And so he would literally go through news articles that they would send him or clips, and he would kind of break it down. He was a columnist for HuffPo. He was a producer for Young Turks. And so he had that that history. And what they're doing is saying, we want to examine news, right? So they're still they're still taking reporting. That is not going anywhere. They're still taking that reporting and, and what they're seeing. And they're saying, well, here's kind of how we break down into this. That's not a replacement for news. But the idea of, well, how are people interacting with personalities and what do they want out of their personalities? It's not necessarily just an Anderson Cooper figure talking to talking heads. And more importantly, for CNN, it's not that cost, right? Like what for what you're spending on them. And so I think the big issue that Lick had was, one, he comes in and he says, we're going to do a morning show. And that was just a weird decision to make. And there's a bunch of talent issues with it, the whole Don Lemon scenario. But two, when you close CNN Plus after three weeks, you're not able to get what really that was, the data from that experiment, right? That was an experiment to see how do consumers move? Are they willing to move? What are they willing to pay for it? Are they willing to pay for it? And if not, how do we reexamine then news for postlinear? Because that's where we're going anyways. And not being able to get a year or two years worth of that data, potentially draw in some revenue. It's an expensive experiment. I don't think anyone would have said otherwise. But without any of that data, it's hard to say, yeah, this is the direction that we think we're going to move into, which now Warner Brothers Discovery is is debating internally, right? Like now they're figuring out, okay, well, what do we do with CNN in a post-linear world? Yeah. What does that look like? And they could have had the data for the last two years, but uh, but they don't. And I think that's the situation is you bring in a guy who's like, hey, figure out the future of news programming, which by the way, is a question that people get paid millions of dollars at news organizations to try and figure out no one has figured it out the closest i think we can get to is maybe the new york times and they have the advantage of being the new york times yeah and so like like there's that digital media is collapsing to, to uh, what, what jason was talking about the linear the pay tv linear system is collapsing so you need to bring someone in 
who's not just a strong programmer who like let like let Chris like be your chief creative officer. Let him be like the your your guy who just focuses on programming. But you need an operations person who says, Hey, I kind of think based on my experience building news organizations or working within this idea of this business model, here's what we have to start experimenting with. And it's not morning television. It's it's not leaning into what has worked. It is well what will potentially right. work going forward. I, I hate to paint anybody with a broad brush because people are complicated and businesses are complicated. And, and David Zaslav has had a lot of success and is, you know, obviously he is a smart guy. However, I have always felt that the Warner Brothers Discovery merger was a bit of an ego trip for him that I feel like I, I recognize this from my own life because I had several times where as a professional, I got a new boss. It was a new owner or a new CEO, somebody brought in who didn't understand what we did and they invariably rolled in and had a lot of ideas about how they were going to shake things up. And they were not based on knowledge of what was going on on the inside. They were based on an external perception. And it took them time to realize that their external perception was not accurate and that their initial plans were not the right ones. Um, and I think a savvy executive comes in knowing that whatever the external perception is, they really are going to need to dig in in order to figure it out. And I will say this about David Zaslav. He strikes me as a guy who got high on his own supply, came into Warner Brothers thinking he was going to show them how to do business. And I think that this is the prime example of him getting egg all over his face because he didn't – he thought he had the answer and he very clearly – uh, missed it, in, like missed it entirely. And in fact, in flailing around and killing CNN Plus, he actually kind of blew up a thing that might have told him something important about the future. And putting a talent producer in as the head of news was was a mistake. And, you know, here here we are. So I'm going to ascribe some of this to, I think, a little bit of the uh, Zaz King of the World ego trip going on. But the fact is, you know, it's broken now. It's all in pieces. And they, you know, and the fact is, they're still the company that owns CNN and they still have to figure it out. They're just going to have to start now when they could have probably started uh, or saved themselves a year or two if they had not blown everything up when they walked in the door. So here we are. Exactly. Um, again, not not trying to paint. I mean, it's so easy. People paint Zaz as a villain. He pulls things off of streaming and writes them down and, and you know, he kills movies and things like that. And like, I get it. He's is he a villain? Well, he's a businessman. So, yes, on a le one level, he is a villain. But this this is a place where I think that at, even in some of his statements about this, I think he's sort of admitting, yeah, <laughs> that was my I, I think that was my mistake. <laughs> I think too, it's it's because I totally agree with you, Jason. I think it's impossible to paint people with a broad brush. I think where the issue with Zaslav comes into play. I think he's a very, very smart, very savvy business guy. Yeah. I think you look at what he's done with the Discovery Cable Networks and it's very impressive. I think what's really interesting about Zaslav in this current era is that what he's proven that he, he can do, in part because he's been forced to do it by, by his own making. He's the one who acquired the company, right? But like uh, by his own doing, but he's been forced to be a terror down. He has to show that he can take away and go small and cut off debt. Because right yeah. now, Warner Brothers Discovery is not acting in the interest of talent. It's not acting in the interest of shareholders. It is acting in the interest of debtors. Mm -hmm. It is acting in the interest of like, we need to pay off our debt yep. as fast as possible. Cash flow. Part of that, <laughs> cash, flow cash flow is cash all flow is what everything. it's about. Yeah. 
And, and part of that obviously comes from creating great product, right? You want to be able to have a good flash movie. You want people to sign up for CNN. You want to have a great HBO show. So there's people on max like that, that comes from, of course, from building that out, but the ability to kind of innovate and say, well, we're going to spend some money here and it's okay. We can spend that money because, you know, we have a ton of stuff coming in that's gone away. And I think a great example of this within the pay TV system, which kind of relates back to like the CNN story. There's a really great argument that when Bob Iger comes in as CEO uh, of Disney, right? By the time that he starts making moves beyond Pixar, but he starts making moves on Marvel and Star Wars, one very important thing is happening to allow this for him is that ESPN is printing money. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN is making so much money that they have, plus the parks, right? Like, like they have the ability to say, we're going to do this acquisition. We're going to take on some debt with it, but we're going to do this acquisition. So we're going to experiment with it. I mean, safer experiments, right? Star Wars was already proven. Marvel, Sony had massive uh, Spider-Man hits and Marvel was kind of, you know, superheroes were, were obviously a big thing. X-Men was happening. And so they were safer bets. But there was the argument that because they had this lucrative pay TV system that was bringing in money and they could kind of reinvest back into into the media networks and then bring it out, Parks was doing the same thing, that you could go, cool, we're going to take those bets. And because of those bets, we can innovate and we can expand. And when you're operating under the, effectively, not, not control in the literal sense, but, you know, really under the control of debtors, that goes away. And you have to think about, okay, well, how do we make how do we increase cash flow for the time being so that we can get to the point where we can even have the opportunity to then innovate and invest further? And I, I think that really comes into play with CNN, right? You kind of see that where it's like, well, well, how do we figure out news? And I think Zaslav is a big believer in the brand. I think he is a core believer that news is habitual. I mean, he runs cable. He understands cable very well. News is habitual. And if you have news and you have sports, you can really do something with that product. But it is a complicated ecosystem to yeah. work within in order to make that happen right now. Yeah. And the conditions are difficult. I mean, all the conditions are difficult right now, which is why there's no good answer. All right. Um, if you are not a Downstream Plus subscriber, this will bring us to the end of the show. But every other episode, we're going to have most of the show available just for supporters. If you'd like to support us, go to downstream.plus. You will get full versions of every single episode, access to the Relay FM Discord, bonus shows from Relay FM, and more uh that brings us to the end of this episode of uh, downstream and downstream plus um if you have a question for us go to downstreamfeedback.com love to your mothers we love hearing from you i've got a lot of letters in the queue we will get to you can find director of strategy julia at loudmouth julia on twitter and blue sky and uh her writing is at parrotanalytics.com along with her team and at puck.news you can find me at sixcolors.com and i appear on many other podcasts here at relay fm and at the incomparable.com um, that's it for this time until next time when julia will be in toronto and have a microphone and i will be uh, back home i think uh julia say goodbye <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>